0: What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Gunter, and we are joined today by three-time, soon-to-be four-time Olympian, Galen Rupp. Now, if you don't know Galen, you probably should. He's an American distance runner, but beyond that, he is one of the most successful dominant and enduring American runners in history. Uh, He had a stellar collegiate career at the University of Oregon, which is a track and field powerhouse in its own right, where in his senior year, he won five individual track and field national championships. Now that was the year after he qualified for the Olympics in 2008. So he has made every Olympics since then, 2008, 2012, 2016. He's won a bronze and a silver medal. Uh, And he's competed now in in three different running events over that career. What I think is fascinating is just the wide breadth of different running events that he's excelled at. We talk about that a little bit today, but it's everything from the mile all the way to being the most dominant American in marathons today. Uh, So he recently qualified for the 20, now 21 Olympics, uh, won the Olympic trials for the marathon. We talk about that a little bit, but beyond that, he's, he just has an incredible approach and I don't just mean to training. Uh, this is my first opportunity to ever speak to Galen, but what I really took away from it was, and we talk about this in the show, it's always about a pursuit of excellence. So I, I think we get to get a little bit of insight as to how he's been able to compete at such a high level for so long. And I know folks are going to get a lot out of this one. So with that If you are enjoying the show, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you to all those that listen. Really appreciate it. We are having such a blast doing this. If you feel like it, if you feel compelled, which I hope you do, leave us a rating and a review. And no matter where you're listening to us, make sure that you follow so you get these episodes each and every week. Man, beyond that, I got nothing else to talk about, folks. I'm just still pumped. We just recorded the Run It By My Wife section, and it was awesome. So make sure to stick around uh, for that. You can hear Sonia and I break this down. Uh, She reads me like a book, picks my takeaways before I can even say them. So we had a good session up here. But uh, yeah, let's, let's stop beating around the bush and let's welcome Galen to the show. Here we go. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. (laughs) Is there anything that like you definitely do think is is worth covering? Like, is there anything that you're interested in right now or
1: mm, not really? I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, we'll probably get there organically. You know, I think like, cool. like you said, just conversationalist part, you know, I don't really have any specific topic I'm super passionate about, but yeah. I just like, I, I'm always thinking real holistic, Approach to stuff, and I think that you know, people look at me because of what I do, you know, as an athlete. But a lot of this stuff really it translates to everybody. It's no different, you know. I mean, we just we do it at maybe a different level, or you know, people look at times and say, "Oh, you run this," but the process of getting there is no different than anybody just trying to set you know a PR in a marathon or you know invest in a 10k. That's it's all the same. And I think that when you get lost and you get too far away from, from that process and, and what got you there. Um, that's when you start getting into trouble.
0: Yeah. Well, do I mean, let's just, st- let's just start it thing. Cause I feel okay. like that that's such an awesome opening, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. and I think a lot of people will probably be, uh, <laughs> pleasantly surprised to hear that that's your <laughs> perspective on it. Uh, if you're like, no, I just, you know, I'm kind of a different breed of person. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. Didn't really have a, didn't really have a chance to begin with. <laughs> that would have been a little tougher to swallow. Um, but yeah, man, dude, thank thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm I'm excited to talk to you, I mean, for for a couple of reasons, man. Like when I was looking back kind of at your track record, you know, you've been in the 2008, 2012, 2016 Olympics. And then, uh, you know, I still don't know exactly where the 2020 time trials netted out. Um, actually, let me ask you that. Did, did, did you get to actually finish like qualifying for 2020?
1: Yeah. So we were really lucky. Um, the marathon trials are always before the track trials. Um, the track and field Olympic trials are usually in the summer, you know, like late June, July. Um, so those have been postponed. Um, I don't think they've yeah. set a date yet, but, uh, for the marathon, which is what I'm doing right now, we had our trials February 29th in Atlanta and, uh, it was right before I think we just got it in. Yeah. Because it was right before a lot of stuff started getting canceled. I mean, my, my coach, you know, his coach uh, coaches at Northern Arizona University. And, and they were, oh, okay. I think, getting go ready for these. Yeah, go Lumberjacks. They were Lumberjacks. Uh, <laughs> They were getting ready for the NCAA Indoor Championships that next week. And, and they got canceled. So we, uh, oh. we just got it in. And um, so I felt super blessed that we were able to just have that race and, and get it in, especially looking back now with, with all that's happened since then but, uh, but yeah, the top three men and women, there are qualified and, you know, our, our spots are set and, and hopefully it, it all works out that, you know, the Olympics go off and go off fine, you know, next year.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So I, I should have, I probably could have looked this up then, but what, what did you qualify? In? Uh,
1: so I won the marathon. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. You know, this will awesome. be, be different. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, in 12 and 16, I did two events. Uh, I did the 10 K and 5 K in, in London in 2012. And then, uh, and 16 in Brazil, are in the 10K in
0: the marathon. So yeah. it'd be nice to just
1: be one this time.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, probably a little more manageable. So, I mean, the, the first thing that jumps out to me, I mean, there's a couple things that jump out, but, you know, it, it's one thing to kind of like reach that level of success and to be able to hold on to that for a little while, right? It's it's hard enough to kind of like over a four-year cycle maintain that level and like get back. You know, as long as like the Olympics happen, you, you've already locked up your spot for the marathon. You know, in your eyes, what has kind of been the key to, like, maintaining that level of success?
1: Um, I mean, I had someone ask me last year about, you know, why I run. And I think that is hmm. kind of applicable to this. And, you know, I think when a lot of people get in, you get a lot of answers about, well, I want to win the Olympics or I want to break the world record. I want to win a gold medal, whatever it is. But I think it always has to be, be deeper than that. And, hmm. um, you know, I've spent been fortunate to spend a lot of time around the military and and people in the military over the years and i have the utmost respect for those men and women and i I love them to death i mean i just think that their whole perspective is unbelievable and a lot of them always talk about you know what's your why for being here and especially in like the you know more special operations side of things you've got to have a pretty deep rooted reason why you're doing that because you're putting your body you know, in your mind through hell to get through all this. And, and the only way people get through there and and thrive is if they have some real deep seated belief in, in what they're doing and why they're there. And yeah. so, you know, for me, I, I think that it has to be more than, you know, winning a medal or, you know, getting a lot of money, whatever it is, you know, and for me it's always been just about uh, like excellence is the best way I can put mm. it, you know, just the pursuit of excellence and whatever you do. And, you know, and I think that that, it can translate to all, assets of your life. And, you know, I, I dedicate so much to my running and, um, you know, when I'm not training, I want to be the best at resting. I want to be the best at lifting or stretching, you know, whatever task it is that I put myself into my whole body, mind, spirit has got to be 100% bought into that and be involved in that. And so, you know, for me with running and, and, you know, you ask why I want to do this stuff. It's, it's because I'm really, it's almost like a I don't know a journey and some fun thing about see what can I get out of myself and how far can I take this? You know, how hard can I train? And, and you keep every year, you know, even when you have great years, you keep looking towards the next thing, you know, and and sometimes probably to a fault where you don't take time Hmm. to enjoy those moments, but it's like, you get that done. And then it's like, Oh man, well once I start doing this or I start lifting harder, I can get my deadlifts up or I can run more mileage. I can get more speed work. Like think of where I can take it there. And that's right. always been my attitude with all this stuff. Um, and, and from day one, when I got into, into the sport of track and field. So it's been fun. You know, the, sometimes the, the years where you don't, you know, quite reach the goals that you have, those are easier to, to look and say, well, I can get better in a lot of ways, but you know, it's it's also fun when you have those good years and then you're able to, to really go back and review and take some time to reflect and, and find new areas for growth because mm. you constantly have to be be growing and, and evolving. You know, people that just,
0: yeah, you
1: know, it's such a common mistake. I think people look at, well, I had a great year and, and they go back and they just try to replicate what they did. And it never works like that. Even if you do the exact same workouts, you're not living in this bubble you know, there's all sorts of life stresses, all this stuff that goes on and go into things, you know, like sleep yeah. patterns, nutrition, like all this stuff matters. And so you can never just try to go back and replicate. It's always about moving forward and and how can I keep getting better?
0: Yeah. No. And I mean, just the way that you talk about it too, it's clear that uh, it sounds, I mean, you said as much, but it sounds like there's, there's a constant pursuit of excellence and it's constantly, you know, Trying to evolve, find areas where you can like eke out new gains, you know what I mean? That are going to make you a better runner. Um, it's funny, we, speaking about the military, we just had a guy on by the name of Chris Wall, she's on the USA bobsled team. And uh, something that he said that I've thought a lot about was how you do anything is how you do everything, you know. And I, I it's just, I'm hearing some of the similar traits in the way that like you it sounds like approach it. It's not just like, hey, how can I approach uh, my running. It's sleep. It's nutrition. It's the weight room. It's you're looking for uh, areas to find an advantage across like all of these different kind of like pillars that ultimately kind of like build you into the athlete that you are.
1: Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know the the physical training I think is the thing that all gets the most play like right away. That's what everybody wants to know about is you know what what mileage are you running, what workouts are you doing, what are you doing in your weight what your numbers are. But you know yeah. those things are, are different and and they're not all In isolation, you know, that's one of the things that I've realized as Mm. I've gotten older is you know, sometimes you can never tell one thing that just makes an athlete who they are. You know, some people get to that, whatever that point is at the top of the mountain, a million different ways. There's so many different paths up there. You know, some guys will do tons of mileage and not a lot of speed work, some guys lift a lot, some guys think like everything I got to do is quality, but I'm not going to do as much of it. I mean, there's yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of different ways. And and you can look at one thing and say, well, maybe that can help predict it, but, but they don't know. I mean, your, your body, your mind, it's so complex in the, in the relationships with how all that stuff interacts. It's, it's impossible to know. And so, you know, like you said, I think mm-hmm. it's important that you just keep looking. You, you have to, it's this constant process of going through things, you know, and then you race, you train. And you go back and you reflect. And I think that's a really important step that a lot of people don't look at is, is taking some time to reflect on that and go mm. through all those different areas of your life. Like what's working, what doesn't. And you got to you know go through it with a fine tooth comb and really try to weed out every little area, you know, especially when things are going well. That's the hardest right. part <laughs> because you say, well, yeah. things are going well, you know, but but there's always ways you can get better, you know? And so yeah, um, the
0: old, uh, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it <laughs> mentality.
1: I hate that saying. Yeah. I really, yeah. I hate it. And I think it gets in, in my world and distance running, it gets used so much, especially mm. when it comes to, you know, mechanics or, you know, a guy or girl has a great season and it's like, well, you know, Hey, I'm not They get scared. And that's really what it is. They're scared about getting hurt or changing things up when you know, my mindset and what I believe most people's mindset should be is how can we keep getting better? How can we attack these deficiencies? Not, yeah. well, you know, I, I don't want to mess around with this because maybe they'll get hurt or maybe they won't run as well. And, and then, then what's going to happen, you mm-hmm. know, and and they're worried about these negatives as opposed to, you know, attacking these things and, and saying, and, and sure, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, I've tried for everything that I've tried over my career that has worked, there's probably been like 20 or 30 things that we tried that just have been (laughs) nothing, you know, Yeah. but you keep trying. And, and it's when, when you do find those things that make a big advantage, you know, they end up, it could be huge. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, all throughout my career, my coaches have always been big on on mechanics and, and working on stuff. And I had pretty good form, you know, running form when I started out, but, um, you know, they're constantly tweaking things. I've worked with lots of sprint coaches over the years, you know, different, mm. you know, biomechanists and, and people like that. And it's, you're trying to eke out that little bit that's going to help you. And, and right. it's weird because it, these little changes can make a big thing. Um, but it's, a, it's really different, you know, running such a, it's one of those sports where it's so repetitive that you get into these habits of doing things oh, a man. certain way. And little yeah, changes, like with your arms, they feel like you're doing things so drastically because you're used to doing it. It's insane, but yeah. you got to keep working it and grill it into your head.
0: Yeah. Oh man. That's such an interesting point. Yeah. Because a lot of times we've had a couple folks on who, you know, talk about the importance of biomechanics and like finding the most efficient path to, you know what I mean? Get, get to what you're trying to do. But like, when you think about something like a marathon to your point, it's like, not only can you keep that up for an entire race, it's like looking back, like you have these patterns that have been like, hammered in over, you know, I mean, what thousands of miles, you know, it's like, so how, how tough is it to make like that sort of, uh, you know, change to something that you're doing mechanically?
1: It's, it's really tough. Um, I mean, it it takes a lot of self-awareness, you know, obviously you need people around you that are watching you and and those reminders, like, you know, for me, big thing is like my shoulders always round forward, especially when I get tired and and they start to come up. Um, which I think is a pretty common thing for, for a lot of runners. So, um, that's been something I'm working on for, you know, years and years and years to try to get better. And it's still not where I want it, but, you know, you just, you keep trying to, to do things and, and, you know, when you're running, you know, I've heard of guys, you know, putting, you know, like break, like a bell on a bracelet or something. So it's just constantly clinking Mm. around and, you know, any little thing, you know, that you can get to remind yourself because, You start running, you do it for a little bit, but inevitably you you revert back to your old habits because that's the way your body's used to moving. So, to to break that habit and break that cycle, you have to be so aware of what you're doing and and almost, you know, what's the right word? Like hyper do that motion, if that makes sense. Like you you overdo it. Because if you just get to that one point and you're trying to hold it there, you know, when you get tired, you're going to revert back. So, you got to really exaggerate all those things. And then, you know, when, when you're tired and you're trying to do it, like it's going to get to where it's supposed
0: to be. Right. Yeah. It's easy to do it when you're fresh thinking about it. (laughs) When you're miles into a run, I imagine it gets quite a bit tougher. Yeah. So it it seems like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you do a really good job of kind of objectively assessing like strengths and weaknesses. Um, And it seems like you're willing to like dive in and try and make the adjustments that you think are actually going to make you a better runner. And and I imagine probably a better person because, like you said, it's all tied in together. Is, Is that something that you've kind of always been wired to do naturally? Is that a skill that you've kind of had to build over time? Where does that come from?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I, certainly, I've always been a bit of a perfectionist, you know, even when I was okay. younger in school and stuff. And I remember my mom, like telling me, you know, stop working. You need to go to sleep. She was probably yeah. great. Like looking back, she was <laughs> both my parents. They're awesome as far as like keeping me balanced because I would do things and they're like, you don't need to, I want to say not work this hard, but just get it done and go to sleep. You know, it's not worth staying up all night to try to do something and, so, you know, they did that a lot, but I got good grades as a kid. You know, I got good grades all through high school and college. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's always been something, it can be a, a big strength or a big weakness. You know, when you look at it, things have to be perfect all the time, because there's certainly, um, you know, points, especially when I was younger, where if I wasn't running unbelievable, I wasn't absolutely killing everybody or breaking a record. It would almost looked at. I looked at it as like a failure to some extent, oh, wow. you know, even if I want. And and it was a, a bad thing, but I think I was lucky enough that, you know, my parents especially, and then just the people that have come through my life, you know, they, they've really worked with me a lot on that and, you know, kind of turned it into a strength and, and tried to say, well, you got to let some, some of this stuff go, but if you can control this and get into something, you know, it can be a really positive thing. And so,
0: um,
1: you know, I've had people tell me, I do have a a fairly high capacity, you know, to obsess over certain things, you know, whether it's things with my mechanics or, um, you know, looking at the strengths and weaknesses, it's just, I can't, turn that part of my brain off and drives my wife nuts sometimes, you know, when I start <laughs> something and it was just like, oh, I'm just going to like sweep up the garage and then that'll turn into me working for like four or five hours, you know, organizing everything, doing all this. And she's yeah. like, just work for a little bit and, and let it go. And I just, I have a bit of a problem doing that. Um, but I think that it's, it's turned into a somewhat of a good thing because uh, I can, um, you know, really, Go deep and and look at all these things, you know, to a very
2: yeah
1: detailed level and um and then yeah I think just also having people around that, you know, preach good communication and um you know I have a very I want to say small circle but yeah there's there's just a few people that I really trust and talk to a lot and it's always been that way throughout my life but it's like a family you know and and sometimes those are difficult conversations to have um where you really go at it and sometimes you hear things you really don't want to hear or you say things to other people that, you know, you kind of yeah. regret in the back, but you know, it was, there's all love at the end of it. And you know, it, it, I guess it sounds kind of hokey, but you know, when no. there's that, that atmosphere, it, that's the only way you really grow with stuff is going through having those uncomfortable you know, conversations sometimes and, and really blunt, honest things. But at the end of the day, you all realize like you have the same goal, you know, you're trying to get to the best you can be. And, You know, when you recognize that at the end, you know, it's, uh, you might disagree sometimes on how you get there, but it's good to always have those, you know, conversations, get that stuff out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, thinking back too, and I would love to hear a little bit about how you kind of fell into running, or I guess maybe when you knew that, like you were onto something special, but you had really high level success at what would be a really young age for most folks. And I would say even across like most sports. Right, like you were doing things at a very high level very early, and so like to hear you say, if I wasn't breaking a record or blowing everyone out of the water, it almost felt like in some ways maybe that day was a a failure or an underachievement in some respects. And so I have to imagine there could have been the opportunity for that to almost kind of be like a negative pressure that could start to have some real like negative implications, either with your kind of uh, relationship with the sport or just like perceived pressure that you felt to like be the superstar that you had kind of been pegged to be. I mean, it w- was the inner circle kind of really critical in helping you navigate that. Um, was it, I guess something that you actually struggled with?
1: I, I would not say I struggled with it. Um, you know, I think it was more on a day to day thing. You know, I, I mm. just let stuff bother me. You know, if I had a bad workout, a bad race, it just put me in such a horrible mood and I took it, Home, you know, I took it out on my parents, yeah. took it out on, you know, friends, people. It was pretty obvious, too. You know, I probably thought I was hiding it, but um, you just, it's, it's not healthy. You know, it's not a right. good thing to obsess over these things. And especially when, you know, I, I tell kids a lot now, you know, you got to realize you're a high school kid, you so many races in your future. You know, it's not worth mm. getting so worked up. I understand that, you know, a high school national championship or a regional meet or state meet is so important. You know, I, I went through that and that's the way I looked at it too, but yeah, it's not worth, you know, beating yourself up over for so much because everybody has bad races. And, hmm. um, you know, I always, I tried to make sure that my bad races weren't that far off from my good races. Um, right, yeah, that, that's like a mental thing can. more than anything, you know, because, um, yeah, I mean, there, I could I guess I feel comfortable saying it now, but there were times where it just give up, you know, when I was younger, Mm. you know, in in high school or even in college, you know, I I remember I started working with a sports psychologist, I think my sophomore year um, in college. And, uh, you know, I I just had kind of a disappointing race, you know, I, I got beat, uh, at the end and, you know, he watched it and, you know, this was the very first conversation I had with him. And, uh, you know, he was kind of asking me what's going on. And so I was telling him a little bit about my background and then he was asking about that race. And i started, you know, rambling on about whatever. And he'd cut me off in the middle. He's like, you, you gave up, you just gave up. And that's the whole reason why, you know, there's no reason you should have finished that far behind. the guy that to beat me and all this stuff. And, and it really kind of shook me for a second because I wasn't always used to hearing that. Um, but I think that that was the best thing that I could have heard at the time. And, you know, and and we worked on from there. And, and a lot of it, you know, it it goes back to what I told you, you know, I had some weird thing in my head where if I wasn't winning and and dominating or what I perceived to be dominating, it was a bad race. Um, And especially you can get away with that attitude. I think when you're younger, you know, and you know, I guess the pond is a little bit smaller. Um, But you know, the the more you move up and especially going from high school, you can be one of the best in the country and you go to college and you're just you know, you're back down on the lower part of the totem pole and there's a lot of guys that can beat you and and do what you do. You know, you're not that special anymore. It it is a little bit of an adjustment. Um, but, uh, but that was the best thing I could have heard then, you know, and and again, a lot of it is just working through this stuff and and having a lot of honest conversations and, you know, and me changing my perspective on a lot of things because, you know, sometimes a success could be, you know, just finishing, I was looked at it like if I finished a little bit closer to these guys that were beating me every race, you know, that's, that's a positive result. You know, I can't right. look at it as you're getting beat. It's you're, you're getting better and you're closing that gap. Exactly. And I had enough confidence in myself that eventually I knew I was going to close that gap, but I kind of looked at it as like all or nothing almost to some yeah. extent where I either needed to be beating them or it didn't really matter. Um, but it did matter. And I think that, you know, when you don't have that approach of taking those smaller incremental steps, you know, you can get left behind because then sometimes the gap gets bigger and then what are you going to do? You're just going to fold even more. Um, so I needed to really change the way that I looked at things and, you know, and and that was a a big turning point for me, I would say with with my perspective with that.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good point because it's, uh, you know, in something that's, so measurable like running right like you know exactly what that gap is and depending on how big that gap is it can feel insurmountable but I, i'm even thinking of just about things in my own life you know it's like if you start focusing on how far off your end goal is like it can it can be defeating You're like shit man how am i gonna get there like oh, so many things can go wrong like even if i get there they might not want me you know but it's like I love what you said about just you know incrementally just closing that gap a little bit, right? And as long as you're closing it, you're you're moving in the right direction towards whatever it is you're hoping to achieve.
1: Absolutely, and you can't just look at the end goal. I mean, it's it's almost too much sometimes to look at that that one thing. I'll jump right. another. You know, the same with some of the military guys that I know is you know they, they talk about eating an elephant one bite at a time. You know, you can look at it like God, I got to eat this whole thing. Yeah. How do you do it? You do it one bite at a time. You incrementally inch forward, and yep. and so it's you know hearing it from other people, and I don't know for whatever reason it, it clicked in my head. Then you know that's something that I constantly worked on, and you know there's a and running you know these Africans just dominated for so many years, and they're still very dominant. Yeah. Um, but for a long time, it was there was a big gap between the U.S. you know our best distance runners and East Africans that it did look insurmountable. And, you know, it's it was a hard thing, you know, to look at and, and just, you know, people that I looked up to were getting killed, you know, by these guys. And, and it's like, yeah. oh, I got to come up and beat them. You know, how are you going to do that? And it's, it's that approach of every single race I raced against those guys. I was trying to get closer and closer and closer to them. And then yeah. eventually it got to the point where I was competing with them. You know, I was right there and, and then ultimately beating them. And, right. and that's the only way, you get there. And, and there've even been times in, in races, you know, where you know, I've been hurting, especially in the marathon track was a little bit different, but I remember the real marathon, I've never been hurting, you know, from a race as bad as I was there. It was real hot and humid. And you know, I remember wanting to drop out. I was in third place. Um, you know, was probably, gosh, maybe five, four, five, six four
0: five, six miles to go. And What marathon was this?
1: This is the Olympic marathon in Rio in 2016. Oh I was in third place and I was legitimately thinking like, I want to drop out.
2: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. <laughs> Five, I was going to ask you. Okay.
1: Right. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, I, and I was thinking about all this stuff as I was running and I was like, all right, just, just make it to the next water stop, get there. And then, you know, we'll take it from there. So I was looking forward to just getting another drink and making it to the next water stop. And then that became too long where, you know, it got to the point where I was literally counting light posts on the street, like make it to the next light post, make it to the next light post. And, you know, and you work through it, you find these small little goals to get through it and Hmm. then you just have to chip away at it like that. And then I started seeing the guy that was in second ahead of me who was way ahead. He was coming back. And then that started giving me more motivation, you know, to keep pushing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, people think that those things don't go through, you know, my head or elite athletes heads. And it's, it's not the case at all. We have those same thoughts that everybody else does, you know, running a marathon and
0: all those distances. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Well, and I, I, guess, but before I ask you that, so did you continue to work with a sports psychologist? Cause now hearing like how you pay attention to everything that you're doing from nutrition to sleep, to weightlifting, right. Is, is, has the mental skills, uh, been an important component of that too?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I I still work with the same guy, you know, his name's who who I was working with and, uh, so we'll start it back in in college. So it's been good. You know, we got a, got a good relationship and, um, it's good. I mean, it's obviously evolved over the years. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I think the mental side is, is huge. And I, I truly believe, you know, in in all sports, not just in in running, but for sure, I don't know whether it's going to be like, 10, 20, 50 years from now, like the big breakthroughs in human performance are going to come from learning about your mind and and how that works. Mm -hmm. I feel like up until this point, everything's been about, you know, getting, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, the physical side of things. But I think that the mental part, there's just so much unknown about your brain. And and that's the thing that that I've kind of started to realize a lot over the last couple of years and, and really think about a lot is, you know, how can you maximize, you know, the way you think and the way you approach things? Because, you know, your, your mind will give up before your body almost every single time. You know, everybody right. will say, oh, I couldn't run another step. It's like, well, could you have not really run another step? Was your leg going to fall off or was that just your mind saying you don't want to do it anymore? Right. And, you know, it, it really comes down to that simple question a lot. And, and you know, and those things still go through. My head, but you learn to deal with those thoughts a lot more, and you learn to deal with, you know, in the marathon, especially, so much of yeah. it is a mental battle that, you know, you just learn to deal with being in a lot of you know, discomfort or pain for a really long time because that's, that's all it is. So I'm constantly I, telling you, stop.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to know that too. And I, it's, it's interesting because I, I imagine anyone who has tried to run any sort of long distance, cause it's relative for every person. If you're someone who does not run at all, like you still know what it's like probably to hit a mental barrier where you're, you're like, I don't think I can keep going. It's at a much more intense and higher level for you, but I mean, do you still have those kind of mental battles in, in all of the races that you run? Is it something that only kind of now pops up if it's like extreme circumstances, like in Rio? Like how, how often are you forced to kind of fight that mental battle?
1: No, it, it's it's a constant battle still. I mean, those things are, are normal, I think, to, to go through and... I think anybody that tries to tell you they, they just think positively the entire time through a marathon or they don't have that is is lying. I mean, there's, there's no way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but for me, it's so much of it is about just, you know, trying to stay present and not get too far ahead. You know, I think it's really hmm. easy to do, especially in a marathon where you you know, you're not usually feeling that great halfway through or, you know, 15, 16 miles in, you're like, I got another 10 miles to go and I'm going to have to really start racing in the last five, six, seven, eight miles probably and picking it up. And I already feel terrible. You know, it's, it's natural, I think, for those things to happen. But, you know, for me, I I always fall back on all the training that I've done, you know, and and I do put myself in that position a lot, you know, in Mm -hmm. training. I don't think that, you can, there's no way to kind of dance around doing the work to really run a good marathon. Like you have to put yourself in really bad situations to to try to replicate. And the more you do that, and the more you can kind of get in your mind, like I've done all these long runs where I'm finished strong or, you know, I've just felt terrible because I'm doing a lot of mileage, but you're still able to hit it. You start to just, I don't know, realize like, do you have it in you? And you just don't, think as much about all that stuff, you know, all that pain, whatever that external things, it just doesn't matter. And, you know, I really just try to stay present in every single moment. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody like a year ago and we were just having a conversation about, uh, yeah, like being, being present, staying in the moment, all this. And at one point we got to start, start talking about how what if you could just be completely involved in like one breath at a time? And it's a really interesting thing because I started thinking about it for a while that night. And it's like, man, if you could just be so involved in that one breath of what you're doing, like break it down to that level, you know, you really can block so much out and you Hmm. can get through like so many crazy things, but it, it really comes down to breaking it down to such a small little portion of time, but like the amount of mental energy and concentration to be able to do that. And do that for hours at a time I mean, course,
0: it's, yeah
1: yeah it's crazy but you think you know maybe somebody will be able to do it you know right. one of these days you know have that that maybe that's an end goal i don't know but it was just a really interesting thing that i remember thinking about like you know you just stop stop thinking about everything else and like that one moment in time it's like hmm. think of all the thoughts you have that are racing through your head and and doing all that if you could just get that out and just literally think for that split second, I'm totally involved in just taking one breath and going yeah out. It's a pretty crazy thing, I think.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, and it's like for anyone who's ever tried to meditate, you know, a lot of different meditative practices, I think in one way or another, try to get you to do that, like focus on your breath. And then when you do that, you realize there's another level of like, oh, you can actually focus on like the air coming in your nose. And then you can focus on like your lungs. And you're like, whoa, I yeah. do this every day thousands of times, I've never taken the, the time to realize that I can actually sense all that stuff. And what you're talking about is like, yeah, if you could be present for every single kind of like, uh, you know, component of that breath, you know, what would be possible? Well, and let me ask yeah. you this, because this is, you said something and now it's kind of shifting my perspective a little bit. I think a lot of times, maybe this is just my own, you know, experience that I'm bringing to it. But when people think like mental toughness, it's almost like this experience of oh, you just got to push through it. You just got to kind of survive it. But what I keep hearing from you is like being present, like being present in the moment. Can, can you expand on that a little bit? Like, is it is it about being just completely present in what you need to do in that moment? Like literally get to that next light post, just keep your body moving with good form, or like, I guess what's really going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big big part of it, you know, is just being able to set all that stuff aside that's going through your head, you know, all those negative thoughts, all those things saying like, I can't do this. I can't take another second of this. I got to stop. You know, those things are natural. I think it's important to realize that. But Mm. for me, I was looking at like that one, it's like that one second where you will either say, I'm going to keep going or I give up. You know, you don't want that moment of regret. It'll eat you up. Like going through having that one, moment of weakness and just realizing like all the emotion all pain like it's it's all temporary it will end at some point you know it's not going to be there forever it might seem like it's going to be there forever but that's again that's your mind playing tricks on you when when you start thinking that way like i can't take another second of this it's like having that thought you've already you've already taken one more second of it you know yeah and so i think that Yeah, I certainly, I think as you go back and say, mental toughness, I think is definitely something that it's a skill and it can be learned. It's not something that, you know, I used to think when I was younger, it's either something that you have or you don't have, you're born with it, you know, whatever circumstances you have growing up that shaped you, it's out of your control. And I, I don't agree with that. You know, I think that there are a lot of things that you can learn and I, you know, maybe you call them coping mechanisms or, or whatever, Hmm. but but they that you can use to get through it and um you know running for me so much of it is about just sometimes taking a deep breath or finding something to be positive about you know like counting light posts getting to water stations anything i can concentrate on you know if you put your energy into thinking about that you're not going to be thinking about pain you can't think of two things at the same time so you know right. if you if you choose to start looking and it could be something so stupid you know, whether it's just looking at something on the side of the road or thinking like, I'm going to keep my shoulders down you could say, I'm going to concentrate on how my pinky finger feels. Hmm. It could be anything, but you need something almost to take your mind off. Because you can control your thoughts a lot more, I think, than people realize. And, right. and it, some of it's a skill and it takes a lot of practice, but I truly believe that, that you can do that. And you choose to think about positive things or look at things that, you know, small goals that you can achieve, hitting another light post, hitting another water station, you know, those things, they do start to build confidence. And sometimes you work through this stuff and then all of a sudden you start picking up. It's like, well, what the hell happened? All it is is a change in what's going through your mind physically. Hmm. You should be worse off if you think about it because you're farther off in a race. So, you know, what's really changed. It's, it's just what's going on in your head.
0: Yeah. And uh, you said something else too, that I think is really important. It's like, because of the training, because you've put yourself in those like tough, miserable situations in the past, you know, when you encounter that in a race and now I'm thinking broadly about life, like whenever you encounter some sort of like you know, trial or uh, tribulation, whatever it is, it's like if you know that you've gone through a similar experience in the past and you were able to come out the other side, it's like you can you can kind of like tap into that like uh, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm jumbling up the explanation here, but you can, you can like tap into all that past experience and you know that you actually have more in the tank, even though your, your head and your body might be screaming at that moment in time, like you didn't knock the shit off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, it's, I just think that's such a valuable point that kind of dovetails into what you're saying. Like it can be learned. Like, yes, it can be taught from experience, but whatever your kind of endeavor goal is like, there's an opportunity to like train yourself for those moments so that when you are faced with that adversity, you have something to tap into.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just about, you know, you doing that thing over and over again, whatever it is, and then drawing on that experience, you know? Um, I I love that guy, David Goggins. I don't know if you've heard of him. I I, I absolutely love him, but
0: you know, he, talks about, you.
1: he talks <laughs> about like callous in your mind and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's so true, you know, and, and that's, yeah. all, that's what training should be. And, you know, and I, I love he said something about like the only way, that, you know, you grow is through going through uncomfortable stuff. You know, whatever that is, mm. you don't grow by doing things that you're good at and succeeding all the time. And, um, you know, it's just about this constant process of going through things that basically suck. That's going to build up your head, but you need to draw on that too. You know, and I think I talked about taking some time to reflect and and going through on that. You know, I, after a lot of workouts, you know, sometimes I'll set certain goals and they're not complicated. It's like one or two things I'm trying to work on. And then you take five minutes afterwards and go over like, Hey, this is, I did this well. I didn't do this well. Um, you know, and then you translate it over to, to, you know, a race situation. Like this is what, and it, it could be something as simple as like, I felt terrible, I was really struggling, but I made it through this workout. I might not hit the times, but this was like a good mental exercise. I didn't quit. I kept going and hmm. you take some time and you reflect on that and you learn like over time, the more you do this, you know, my psychologist talks about like having just a mental bank account. You know, you make all these deposits all the time into your bank account. When you have good workouts, sometimes they're little, sometimes they're big, but hmm. you draw on those in races, you know, that's when you pull from all yeah. that stuff you put in there, but you have to have it and you have to take the time to go through and, you know, reflect on that so that it is ingrained. You know, we mm. never want to have a day in, in training or in practice where it's just kind of, uh, you know, yeah, I did it. Now I'm going on to the next thing. And you don't get anything out of it. You know, even if it's just one simple, small little thing. You've got to try to get something out of every workout of every day that's going to help you. And those little things, like they add up tremendously. doesn't yeah. seem like it at the time, but... You know, you never know. Sometimes you might go back and think about some little thing that you did in the workout. And yeah. that could be the one difference, you know, that, that gets you through.
0: Your example of the mental bank account was so much better than what I stumbled through. Yeah. That's where I was going. <laughs> For everyone listening, that's where we were trying to get to. He's a professional. <laughs> that's not my
1: idea. That's that's his. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. He's
0: making the big bucks. No, but that's, uh, man, I love that. So there's a couple things I want to ask you in, in the time that we have left Um, you know, I think maybe what might be most valuable is, you know, you've, you've been an elite athlete for so long, but, uh, like we were catching up beforehand, like now you're very much a family man, right? Married whole flock (laughs) of kids at home. Uh, how, how do you balance the demands of what you're trying to do on an athletic level with also being like a husband and a father at home?
1: Well, I married the most incredible woman, so she literally deserves all the credit. Um, she's she's a saint. I mean, there's That's no other awesome. way to put it. And and I, I've said this before, but I, I can't stress enough, you know, how she put aside all of her goals and aspirations in life to really get behind me and help me pursue mine. And I don't think mm-hmm. that there's a more selfless. Like it's uh, she is so inspiring to me with the way that. She handles everything at home, raising the kids and, and doing everything to help me basically go after my goals at the expense of her own. Yeah. Um, so I feel incredibly fortunate. And she really is the is the main reason <laughs> why, you know, it, it all works. Um, but because I, you know, I miss a lot of time. I miss a lot of time with my kids, even when I'm at home in Portland, you know, just your training's a full-time job. And, yeah, you know, I would always feel bad where there'd be days, especially when, our kids were younger where, you know, my wife would be up with them and she'd still tell me to go take a nap and sleep because I needed to rest and recover and get ready, you know, for my second workout of the day, even though she's oh, probably wow. slept three hours at night. And she's still telling me go take a nap during the day. I mean, that's just the kind of woman that that she is. And um, yeah. so it's it's hard. And you know, I certainly I feel guilty sometimes, but, you know, she always tells me, you know, don't feel guilty. This is your job. You know, if you're going to do this, we need to do it you know, we need to all be all in and, and they're behind me hundred percent on this. And, you know, that, that means the world to me. And it really, it gives me a lot of strength. You know, when I line up to race, you know, I'm always thinking about them even during the race, but, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of sacrifices that a lot of people have made for me to be able to go after my own selfish goals and be at my best, you know, and, I think about all those people when I go race and when I'm training and when things get hard, you know, the sacrifices that they've made and it's like, well, I couldn't look myself in the mirror if I didn't absolutely give everything I could, you know, whether that's just in training, you know, lifting anything, I need to apply myself a thousand percent to all this stuff, just like they're doing for me. Cause they, yeah. they should never care about something more than I do, especially when it's with me. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of athletes that we've <laughs> in the past that I've been around where we've had coaches, people around them want things more than they do because they don't want to do these little things. Um, mm. And I, you know, I vowed never to let that happen with me. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't want to turn that into like a negative thing. Cause I, I, really, I draw so much strength from, from my wife and kids and, and all, of, you know, the support staff and people that have helped me, you know, get to where I am today.
0: Yeah. Ah, it's amazing, man. And it's, you know, I mean, for anyone listening, it, it's a huge life change once you get married. And then once you have kids and it's like, I'm always so interested how folks who've had sustained continued success, you know what I mean? Try to find balance. Um, And I I think there's a couple of things you said that, you know, like just let it, let it be your motivation. Like if you're going to, don't stop doing what you're doing, but just understand that there's folks making a sacrifice. Um, But also it's like, man, just use it as inspiration. Like I think about that sometimes I'm, you know, now I'm trying to do more stuff now. (laughs) married with kids and I was doing, like I say this all the time, like I was not lighting the world on fire at 25. Okay. Like I was not getting a bunch of stuff done, but now it's like, I almost feel more motivated because I have a family. It's like, you know what? I, I owe it to them to kind of try and get the most out of what I'm capable of, regardless of what pursuit that is. So
1: absolutely. And, and I think too, you know, I should say like you make the most of the moments that you have, you know, just because yeah, you're gone a lot. It, you know, you, it makes you appreciate those times so much more that you are at home and, and you mm. make, you make time, you know, you start realizing like, yeah, I don't have to go, you know, I'm not gonna be on my phone all the time. I'm not going to sit and watch TV all day. Like when you, when I'm at home with them, like a thousand percent of my energy is going to be into having the best time with my wife and kids and making sure that, you know, I'm the best husband, best father that I can be. Um, yeah. and, and like, I, you summed it up perfectly. You know, I think just, using it as a positive, um, you know, getting the most out of it, being, you know, I always want to be a great example to my kids and, and whatever it is, you know, they choose to do. I hope at least if nothing else, they can look at me and said, like, I applied myself to the fullest and I gave everything I could to go after, you know, this one goal or this one dream of mine. And I look how hard he worked and, and that's how you get anywhere. You know, it's, it's just hard work and pouring all of yourself into whatever task it is. I don't care what, you know, occupation, what your goal is, whatever, you just give all yourself to that one goal. And then when you're at home, you give all yourself to your wife, you give all yourself to your kids and, and you maximize the most out of it. That's the only way you can do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's so much easier said than done, right? Because it's, uh, and we even talked about this at the beginning a little bit. Like it's, it's easy if you let it to start bring in some of that negativity from work (laughs) home with you right? Um, yep. And I just, I think you summed it up perfectly. It's like, look, man, g- give give yourself 100% in whatever your pursuit is, but you got to give that at home too. Absolutely. Uh, and, it's t- and it's tough, right? Like it's, it, it's, it's not easy.
1: No, maybe I, I, yeah. no, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, like I was talking, I, I don't know my wife thinks. Like I, I tell her this sometimes but it's like, she has an infinitely harder job than I do. I mean, being a full-time mom, take care of the kids, like Oh. It, does, it never turns off. Anybody that has kids, they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. It's just, it is unbelievable the amount of patience and the amount that she can, you know, still be calm and just this awesome loving mom to our kids, regardless of all this craziness that's going on.
0: So,
1: yeah, I got four kids. I guess I should say that we were talking about it beforehand, but. Oh uh, yeah, he's got four it's, kids. It's, folks. it's busy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a full house. It is. Oh, that's awesome! Shout out to all the moms out there. No, and I think you, I think you nailed it, man. That is an incredibly important and tough job. Um, all right, so as we as we look to wrap this up, I have something that I'm I'm curious to know. So for you, right? There's so many different events that you could train for over the course of a year. Like, how do you pick and choose which races? uh, that you're going to do over the course of the year? Like, do you have to make a, like a conscious decision? Like, Hey, based on my end goal, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and sacrifice, you know, some of these other ones.
1: Yeah. I mean, it certainly, you know, you look at the big ones every year and, and you kind of work backwards from there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, even when I was running track and, and the marathon schedule is kind of similar, um, there was always really two big peaks during the year. You know, you'd, you'd peak once in the winter, um, for like indoor track when I was doing that. And now, you know, there's usually spring marathons are all in, you know, kind of the March, April timeframe. Uh, and then now you got the, the fall marathons, you know, the Chicago's, New York's all that. And kind of late Chicago September, or you October, won, November. Yeah. 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 Vix, I love Bank of America, Chicago marathon. That's awesome. That's man. awesome. <laughs> I'll give a shout out to them. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, it's always a two-peak thing, you know, and, and even for, for you know, an Olympic year, normally we have the Olympic trials in February and then the Olympics will be late July, August. Um, so, you know, that's really been the the schedule that we've always been on. And, and you pick, you know, the biggest meets, obviously, be the Olympics, um, you know, for this year. And you work backwards from there. Um, the yeah. marathon is a little bit different because it's such a long buildup, you know, track, you're doing a lot of races as a part of your buildup and, and you might run a couple, you know, getting ready for a marathon. I usually will do a half, um, anywhere from like four to six weeks out. Um, hmm. and sometimes I'll do something before that, but that's really it, you know, getting ready for, for a marathon. But, uh, I've always kind of been pretty flexible with my racing plans. Um, you never really, uh, even when I was running track, you know, sometimes we would set certain targets, you know, big races, but you can never be scared. I think to just, just go, you know, strike when the iron's hot. If your workouts are going great and you're feeling good, um, don't be scared to just go for it. You know? And there's been Mm -hmm. a lot of times where, you know, I've entered races last second or there's also been times where, you know, I've gotten sick or something. And, uh, I've had, again, I feel fortunate I've had smart people around me that have told me, you know, don't race. You're going to put yourself in a bigger hole. Um, obviously if you've got injuries, you've got to be smart with those. Um, You know, there's always a temptation to race, but I've always really tried to pride myself on being smart, you know, above all else, just making good sound decisions, you know, taking the, a lot of the emotion out of it of wanting Mm. to race or wanting to, you know, go do something just because it's there. And, you know, you can always kind of, you got to be flexible, be able to adapt and and change um, after that. So I guess it's not really.
0: The greatest answer to your question. No, it's perfect. I'm just so curious. (laughs) Well, and you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna drop here in a minute, but uh, uh, you know, just also like the the varying distances that you've competed at at such a high level is so interesting to me. And maybe we can we can end on that question. I mean, you know, for you as a runner, what what was what's your favorite race? Because like, I mean, you've done everything from sub four minute miles to now your marathon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's tough. What is it for you personally?
1: It's tough. You know, I, I love them all. I was, I wanted to be a miler when I first started running. That was like, I want to run the mile. That was always the big event. Um, and, uh, you know, my coach pretty quickly said, You're not fast enough to run the mile, even in high school. I remember I was pretty, like, it was very blunt. Like, he just said <laughs> it like that. You're not, you literally don't have the speed to be a world class miler. Oh, wow. So I was like, Oh, okay. Right. So he's like, We're going to trade you for 5K, 10K. You know, you got plenty of speed for that. Um so I was like, oh okay. So I guess we, that was always the plan <laughs> even from when right. I was in high school, like long term, um, to do that. But but then, you know, I think he kinda realized how I was feeling and he said, you know, but that doesn't mean you can't run a great mile. You know, we're still gonna go after that stuff. It just, you know, as a coach, I have to tell you honestly, like what I think you can be the most successful at. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a lot of success at a mile. You know, I've run three fifty. Mm. <laughs> so right. not not bad, but uh <laughs> it's uh yeah, I, I always loved running all those different distances. And and you know, I always think, you know, it's that old saying, speed kills, and it's no different in track. You know, I always thought the most um in any event, you know, the guys or girls that have the most success usually have the most speed and you know, the milers The guys, they run incredible 800 meters. The really great miles can run great 400 meters. Um, Hmm. And it kind of goes all the way up. You know, like I was more of a 10K runner, but I ran some great mile times and some great 5K times. And you have to be able to do that. You know, some people don't always get those races in, but I guarantee you the top 5K, 10K guys in the world and girls in the world every year, they could run some pretty unbelievable mile times. They just don't always do it. Um, But we always... And I still believe to this day, you know, to, and and I think when you look at the marathon, there's been so much, you know, growth as far as how quickly people have run marathons in the last like 10 years. And the real reason I think is that a lot of track guys are going up there. You know, you're moving up. It used to be, Mm -hmm. oh, you run the marathon, you have no speed, you're uncoordinated and you can just hold (laughs) it for a long time. That was kind (laughs) of the idea behind it. Yeah. And, you know, now I think people are realizing like, now to be a great marathoner, you have to have a great track pedigree behind you. You have to be able to run really fast for 10K, 5K. You know, a lot of the guys even ran great miles back when they were on the track. Um, and that speed translates up. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because if you can run, you know, a 10K in 27 minutes versus 29 minutes, think of how easy the marathon pace is going to feel, you know, running, hmm. you know, uh I'm trying to think off the top of my head, you know, if you run like four forty per mile, if you have that speed, it's going to feel so much easier running that when you do move up, and it's it, it's 4. easier, I think, to <laughs>
0: just, just the thought, <laughs> the thought of having to try and do that for two laps for me, let alone a mile, let alone maintain it, is just
1: uh, it's all relative, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, it goes that way in, in every event in track. You know, the guys that that have the most success, you know, usually that bottom end is is pretty good. And yeah I guess I'll just say the last thing distance runners th- you know the, the really good ones all the great ones that I've trained with and competed against the really good ones they're great athletes too you know I mm. I've always hated that you know perception that distance runners are uncoordinated it's true for some right. for sure without a doubt um <laughs> but the but the really good ones you know they have great mechanics like they can sprint they're maybe not as muscular or big so they can't generate that same amount of power as a top olympic level sprinter but um yeah, they, they move really well, you know, they're flexible, they're coordinated. And, um, so it's, it's something that, you know, I think that our sport is evolving a lot in that regard and and hopefully continues to evolve where evolve, where it's not something that that's just where you put the slow uncoordinated kids. Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Ah oh, man, so cool. Well, dude, I, I feel like I could probably ask you questions for anou- another hour, but uh, man, so we're, we're excited. Hopefully, the Olympics come back 2021. We'll definitely watch you there. Um, for people who kind of want to follow along with you, like where's a good place for them to do that? I feel like you said you're notably oh, absent yeah, on yeah, social media. I have but, zero
1: social media, so I don't dude, even know. God bless you. because you
0: know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy raising all these kids, man. There's no time for it. Nonsense. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So, is, is there anywhere people can keep up with you, or do we just got to keep a keep an eye out for oh, uh, Tokyo?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pace Sports Management. I guess they're the, the the guys that manage me, Ricky Sims. So he usually will put updates out for sure. Um, awesome. But uh, but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be there in in 2021, hopefully in, in Tokyo on the starting line, uh, representing the USA. Could be more excited about it.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Well, cool. Well, we'll have to get you back in the future, but uh, dude, really, really appreciate you, man, coming on the show. Anytime. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You better go ask Mommy, Daddy. Okay. So you know that I take the journalistic integrity of the show very seriously. Quite frankly, I would say I put it above all else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: hmm
0: And unfortunately... I think this is twice in the last three weeks now
2: oh no what did you do we
0: are forced to make a correction what did you say it's actually not what did i do
2: oh god what did I rather do?
0: what did you not do uh this goes out to uh faithful listener Allie mclaughlin mm-hmm. who was kind enough to let us know that there is in fact already a real housewives dallas and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is lit <laughs> So and we that's apologize. A quote, yeah, that was a miss on Sonia's part. So uh, yeah, we appreciate the fact <laughs> check better this week because obviously we do not have the budget to fact check anything on our own.
2: <laughs> Sorry about that. As I
0: take a sip of hot tea, <clears throat> we're a little under the weather. No matter, the show goes on. So first takeaway: this, by the way, he could have done this whole thing. I know I've said that a couple of times, but like he, whatever, whatever he wants to do when he's done running, public speaking or motivation or commentating like needs to be in his future Uh because it was like, no matter what I asked him, I almost like just found myself just like listening, which people are like, well, that's typically how a conversation works. But I mean like Mm -hmm. listening, like I imagine a listener might, yeah, you know, I I, like, I was just like, it was so easy to listen to. and (laughs) so interesting in his background. And his experience and his perspective on things. Um yeah. I, just, I just really felt that uh, he had a lot to say that I think is really, uh, you know... I mean, God, there were so many nuggets in there. So many nuggets. Do you think people hate the term nuggets? Is that like when people say moist and everyone cringes, but mm-hmm. I just keep doing it every week?
2: One time my sister was auditioning for some design television show. Okay. And... <laughs> she was asked to describe this like topiary thing on a wall. I don't know what it was, but she described one of the descriptive words was moist. Oh, yeah. And the woman was like, ew, gross, and said that that's why she didn't get the part.
0: Wow. Hollywood's (laughs) cutthroat. It was Fort Lauderdale, but you know. Okay. Well, now everyone knows where your sister lives. Shout out to Deering Designs, (laughs) (laughs) who's not... A paid partner. However, they could be. I don't know. Maybe we'll bring that up at Christmas. Okay. (laughs) Number one. Actually, it's very funny. You have gotten to know me so well. I would say less so because of our marriage, more so over the course of doing this podcast together. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) That you actually picked out two of my three takeaways. Yeah. You had a little bit of uh cock in your walk upstairs. You turned to me and you said, I guarantee I know what two of yours are. And I said, who do you? (laughs) And did I? And uh, you did. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the one that you didn't get. Oh, okay. I'm I'm an onion, baby. (laughs) Layers. He started the show off with this one. The pursuit of excellence is kind of what drives him. Yeah. You know, because what was so amazing to me is it's always incredible when someone kind of reaches that level, you know, I mean, if you can make the Olympics, like, I mean, that is a lifetime achievement. Yeah. But but to be able to make the Olympics over four, what do they call that? Olympic calendars or anyways, over 16 years. Yeah. Like you're competing, cycles, Olympic, cycles? Olympic cycles. Thank you. You're competing against every collegiate all-American that graduates that year, every national champion that graduates that year, mm-hmm. and you are just continuing to like stay crush above them, them right? You crush them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I was trying to be uh, relatively politically correct, but you just went right for the throat. <laughs> so that that to me is amazing, and I'm you know I'm always kind of interested. Like, hey, once you've kind of done it all. And, you know, maybe I should have asked that. I, I bet there's things in his mind that he feels he hasn't achieved. I'm and sure, I, yeah. And I get, I get that sense based on his response. Like, there's always something to get better at. It's about reflection. Where are there opportunities to improve? So that, that pursuit of excellence, I think, is probably so indicative as to why he's had the success that he's had. Mm-hmm. I also think for me, and I hope people listening, like, that's something to strive for. Yeah. And, you know, like, I feel like back in the day, If I may take us on a journey, please do. People had trades. They were craftsmen, right? Cooper's fantastic barrel makers. They did that one thing and they did it better than anyone. They were excellent at it. I feel like we've kind of gone away from that as a society. Yeah, I think you're right. So be excellent in something. You lazy podcast listeners. (laughs) People who are like, I used to follow this guy, but he's been quite insulting for most of this takeaway. Sorry. A little salty. Need more tea. Uh, but anyways, you, what What did you think about that? I've been rambling.
2: But What, about your Pursuit first Pursuit of excellence, away? yeah. Yeah, I think that he really lives that truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He's, but I thought that, like, he, like, I, I mean, this is a separate takeaway. Oh, go for but it. But it kind of compliments that one. Uh-huh, he was, he talked kind. about how. <laughs> He talked about how you make progress by incrementally inching forward. Yep. So it's (laughs) that was one of yours too, right? Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) The analogy he used that I really loved was it was like eating an elephant.
0: Yeah. You do it one bite at a time, and I've (laughs) never heard of that. You you have to be you've never heard how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Elephant?
2: Who eats elephant?
0: Well, Well, all right, fair point, I suppose. (laughs) But if given the task.
2: Yeah, you would just have to do it one bite at a time. One bite
0: at a time. Yeah, don't bite off more than you can chew, as they say. I mean, I've heard that (laughs) five billion times. (laughs) So, yeah, I I love that one, too. And uh, this one kind of is related. I loved his example of the light posts.
2: Oh, yes. Mm. That is me every time I go for a run.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah I, but that's what I he said. Relate. He was like,
2: he was like, yeah. just like every other person, like they think like what am what must he be thinking? And he's like, I'm literally thinking, just get to one more live
0: post. I know. Wasn't that cool? Yeah. Because you do, you, you think like, okay, this person is among the best in the world. They've been training at this for years. They, they there's no way they, they must have like built up some sort of resistance to those that like mental fatigue and weakness. Mm-hmm. And he was like, No. He's like, I was in third at Rio in the Olympics and I almost quit. Like my mind was telling my body to stop. Crazy. Which is just, you know, so it, I mean, yeah, they they go through probably the yeah. very similar experiences that most people listening to this have gone through if they've ever tried to push themselves in anything, mm-hmm. uh, which should, I think should also be encouraging.
2: Yeah, it's super encouraging. Yeah. I was inspired by that.
0: How many, how many light posts does it typically take you until uh, you become mentally weak? And up?
2: <laughs> well, what I usually, it's usually on the home stretch down our street Yeah, because there's six light posts and I tell myself,
0: oh, wow, so you really, you know them. <laughs> wow. Okay.
2: And I tell myself I have to like run the five light posts and then yep. I can start cooling out on the last one. And then
0: I walk around the driveway a bit. Oh, wow. And you do a whole cool down and everything. Yeah. There's just so much about you. I don't know. Actually,
2: I learned that from my dad training horses growing up. You you never put a hot horse away.
0: (laughs) And you are indeed hot filly. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Number three, shall we? Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you take this because this is another one that you pegged me for.
2: Yeah. And we actually had the same exact words. We right had now. the exact,
0: yeah. So I'm going to let you take it because you've been pretty spot on.
2: Mental bank account.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so I love this. Like, so he was like, you, it's, your brain is like a bank account and you are, sorry, mm-hmm. your body is like a bank account and you make deposits, like all these workouts are yeah. your deposits. And then when you have a competition or something big you've been working towards, you draw from it.
0: I think, yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's actually, I didn't think about it in that way, but yeah, the physical way, absolutely. Right. Like when you work out, when you train, like you're, you're literally making a deposit there. I, I picked up on it from like the mental aspect of it. Like uh, he said, Oh, and I didn't have it written down. He said something, you know, you have to go through things that suck to grow. Yeah. Um, another one that I had, what was it? You have to put yourself in bad situations in training. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like all of those things kind of come back to this mental bank account in that like when you've put in that hard work, you got through something that really sucked that day in training. Like you put that away, that's in your mental bank account. And then the next time you find yourself in a competition where like you're kind of hitting rock bottom again, you can kind of like tap into that previous training and know like, no, you know what? I've been here before. I know that I'm able to come out the other side, so I'm going to stick to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. And you know what? Eh, maybe people relate to this. When I started training for that decathlon that I used to do, maybe I'll do it again in the future. I don't know. They're, they've been like everything else <laughs> shut down because of Corona. Um, one of the things I did to prepare was like I would go out and run 400s and I swore after the state finals <laughs> <laughs> in track my senior year, I will never run 400 meters again, ever. Not like, not at like that speed or effort. I was like, I just will never do it again. Yeah. And I started doing it again. And it's so strange. I hated it so much. I would get so nervous, almost like I would feel nauseous walking up to the line to like do this training. But I started to notice that like. Like by, when
2: you were training for the decathlon or back when you were in No, high well,
0: oh, it didn't matter. Yeah. Then, then and now. Wow. Well. <laughs> but like, so to say this is two years ago, I would literally, after doing those hard workouts, one, I felt so much better. And you know what I mean? Like so much more accomplished because I did something I was terrified of, didn't want to do, mm-hmm. came out the other side, felt better than I thought. But I would start reflecting back on that, like throughout my work day. Yeah. I'd be like, oh man, like this isn't that bad. I just freaking, I was out <laughs> on running 400 meter repeats on the weekend as a 32 year old grown man, like I can knock out these expense reports, (laughs) Uh, just like Galen Rupp,
2: the way your brain works.
0: (laughs) You know what? There's probably a 10th of the listeners who are like, yeah, totally. And nine out of 10 are like,
2: "Eh, well, maybe. (laughs) Okay. So those are
0: my three, but man, that whole, that whole episode was just takeaway after takeaway after takeaway. I was trying to write down some of his quotes
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just gave up. There's so many good ones.
2: Did you have the elephant one written down?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I had that I'm one logged. But that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Which shocks me. You never heard me tell that to our kids?
2: No. I've never told, heard you tell our kids about eating elephants.
0: Hmm. Starting to wonder what kind of parent you are. <laughs>
2: I'm going to ask the kids in the morning if they've ever heard that before.
0: <laughs> uh, if they haven't, they will. That's a great one, though. Yeah, yeah. A great
2: one.
0: If you have to eat an elephant, that's the way to do it, certainly. <laughs> okay. Well, that was another awesome one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sweating up here. I don't know if that's because I'm not feeling well because that AC never got fixed. <laughs> uh, got to get him back. Uh, anything that you would like to share with the group before we part? Any update on the housewives that we should know about? <laughs> has Denise reconciled in any way or is she just done?
2: No, I think she's done.
0: Wow. But that's big time because that's gotta be uh that paycheck's probably no joke.
2: I don't know what they make. And Actually, I'm curious. They probably don't make that much from the show. They probably make a lot from um, things involving the show. Like
0: maybe I wonder how many people are knocking on her door though. You know, with work.
2: Yeah, true. Not many probably.
0: Did you ever see wild things?
2: Um, mm. I don't think I did, no.
0: I'll tell you what. I remember being a young kid walking through Blockbuster. Uh, first, Planet Hollywood video. <laughs> for those on the West Coast, you know what I'm talking about. Walking through Blockbuster, picking out movies with parents on a Friday night. And uh, we would walk by that like new release section. <laughs> Wild things would be there. And I, I remember, like, wow, I'm turning into a man because I feel a certain kind of way.
2: About Denise Richards? About
0: the front of that box cover. And then you hear the rumors in middle school. Kids talk on the back of the bus. I would overhear some of it sitting in the middle.
2: Oh, yeah, what were the rumors?
0: Oh, you don't know what's in Wild Things? No. <laughs> oh, see, this is the difference. What? This is the difference between
2: A boy and a girl. A
0: young adolescent a young adolescent boy and a yeah. young lass. Uh yeah, there's a pretty infamous uh I don't know what our show's rated, but this might be a PG thirteen comment. It's a uh Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. Sensu wow. It's a hot one. Maybe we'll pull that up once the kids go to bed. You've just made everybody uncomfortable. (laughs) They're like, this didn't say explicit. I have kids in the car. Anyway. All right, everybody. Well, thank you. We hope you enjoy this one. Man, it was a good one. We got another really good one coming up, too. And then, uh, yeah, falls right around the corner. Got the fall lineup. I can't wait Coming down the pike Alrighty Well hey thanks for listening everyone Hey if you're enjoying the show We say this all the time Please leave us a rate and a review We really appreciate it uh, Also feel free to reach out to us directly If you have any questions, feedback Or even recommended guests I've been enjoying some of those that have come through mm-hmm. um, But yeah no Hulk Hogan Galen wants nothing to do with us was
2: recommended guest Who? Galen
0: Yeah he was Shout mm-hmm. out John Wainwright Also quite an athlete in his own right Maybe we get John on here someday. All righty. Well, thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. See you next week.
2: See ya.